Oh. Can you, can you do that again for me? I just want to see what that was again. Okay. That's uh, that's the signal that we're ready to start. So I hope you guys are ready to start because Morgan gave me the signal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's start our service with You Never Let Go. If you want to rise and sing with us, it's opening song this morning. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death Your perfect love is casting out fear And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life I won't turn back, I know you are near And I will fear no evil For my God is with me And if my God is with me Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? No, no, you never let go Through the calm, through the storm Oh, no, never let go Every high Every low, oh no, never let go, Lord, you never let go of me. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on, a glorious light beyond all compare. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes. We'll live to know you're here on the earth And I won't fear no evil For my God is with me And if my God is with me Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? No Never let go through the calm, through the storm. Oh no, never let go. Every high, every low. Oh no, never let go. Lord, would you never let go of me? You keep on running and you never let go. As we sing, oh no, you never let go through the calm, through the storm. Oh no, never let go. Every high, every low, oh no, never let go, Lord, you never let go of me. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on, and there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you. Still I will praise you And I can see a light that is coming On a heart that holds on And there will be an end to these troubles But until that day comes Still I will praise you Still I will praise you We sing, oh no, never let go 
through the calm, through the storm. Oh, no, never let go. Every high, every low. Oh, no, never let go. Lord, would you never let go of me? Oh, no, you never let go. Through the calm, through the storm. Oh, no, never let go. Every high, every low. Oh, no. Never let go, Lord, would you never let go of me? Lord, would you never let go of me? Praise God. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you that's here. I see nobody got blown away on the way here, I guess. Or I guess I wouldn't see you if you did get blown away. But it's good that you all made it anyway. Uh, we're, going to, we're in for a great day today. I look forward to what God's going to be doing in the house and how He's going to lead us in worship. So let's go to Him in prayer right now and let's just start it off the right way. Amen? Father God, we just come before You and just lift this service up to You and just ask in Your name, the name that's above all names, that You will just reach down and touch those that are here today. May Your your Word, Your Spirit go forth, whether people are here, whether they're listening by radio, uh, YouTube, DVD, however it may be, may they hear Your voice whether it be in song, whether it be in the sermon, in a handshake, a hug, whatever it is, may it be your name that's lifted and exalted this day, and may we be able to leave this place today knowing that we stood in the presence of the one who loves us the most. God, I thank you for who you are and what you are, and I just pray your will to be done in the hearts and lives of your people. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, and tell them, isn't it great that God will never let go of you if you'll grab a hold of Him? Amen? Some late morning we shall see Jesus in the air Coming after you and me, joy is ours to share What rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise Headed for that jubilee yonder in the sky Oh, what singing, oh, what shouting On that happy morning when we all so gladly rise Oh, what glory, hallelujah When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky Seems that now I almost see all the sainted dead Headed for that jubilee that is just ahead In the twinkling of an eye, change with them to be all the living saints who fly to that jubilee Oh, what singing, oh, what shouting On that happy morning when we all so gladly rise Oh, what glory, hallelujah When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky When with all the heavenly hosts we begin to sing Singing in the Holy Ghost how the heavens will ring Millions there will join the song, with them we shall be Praising Christ through ages long, heaven to believe Oh, what singing, oh, what shouting On that happy morning when we all so gladly rise Oh, what glory, hallelujah When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky Oh, what singing, oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all so gladly rise Oh, what glory, hallelujah When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky 
when we meet our blessed Savior in the sky. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Now, we've all played musical chairs before. When the music stops, we're supposed to be in our seats. Isn't that the way it works, Chris? You're all out. That's right. Y'all lose. <laughs> all right. Just just a few announcements this morning. Actually, just a couple of announcements. Um, one of which is for a little ways out. We don't know who's going to be there as of yet, but we have a Super Bowl party coming up February fifth, as we do every year. Yeah, it's two weeks. Yeah, it seems like it should be further than that. But you're right. It's only two weeks from now says, bring your favorite soup or snack to share while watching the Super Bowl. Now, we've done this before. We put up the tables there in the fellowship hall, and uh, you are welcome to bring your, your, your chaise lounge, your, uh, your recliner, whatever you want to bring and set up. We're going to have the football game playing over there, and we're going to have different soups and chili and just a, a good time to hang out together, one with another, brothers and sisters, and watch the Super Bowl. Now, some folks don't watch football, but you can still come and fellowship and eat and play other games as well. Uh, uh, pardon? Connect four. Okay. Oh, in our Sunday school class today, we said, clothe thyself with humility so that the Lord will fill you with grace. <laughs> oh, that was being humble. That's just truth, he says. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sounds like the gauntlet has been laid down. If anybody can, uh, that is a master at Connect Four or feels as though they should go and watch many YouTubes on that between now and then, <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down. Chris is challenging to a Connect Four tournament. So, February 5th, that Sunday evening, we're going to have a great time of fellowship and this Super Bowl party. Everybody's obviously invited to come and and just sit back and relax that evening. Um, this evening, there will be no services tonight. And the reason being is we are going, after the morning service today, we are going to have our, our business meeting and potluck luncheon. So everyone is invited. Come over. We eat. We're going to fellowship. We're going to have a great time. And then we'll go into the business meeting. Now, if you've never been to one of our business meetings, this is not one of those ugly affairs that you hear about on TV and such. I praise the Lord that God has, has blessed us and it's a great time of fellowship. And isn't it wonderful that when he is in the lead, everybody just falls in and, and goes where God leads them to go. And I think that's what happens. It's not that we don't have discussions and we don't uh, discuss what's going to happen in the church and what has happened in the church. It's just, praise the Lord, we have always put Christ at the, first, at the head consistently. And when Christ is in the lead, then things go the way... There's intended to go. Amen? So it's a great time to come. And if you want to see which way the church is directing, headed, or anything like that, that's come, fellowship with us. If you didn't bring anything for the lunch, that's okay. There's always, God's always blessed us with enough food, one way or another. So I encourage you to come over and just enjoy the fellowship with each other. And we're going to have a great day on the grounds. But that being said, uh, no services tonight so that we can go ahead and do the business meeting and have a little bit of a at home time as well, as someone mentioned it. I believe that is enough of the announcements. The only other thing I would present to you announcement-wise was last week I was asked, and I do forget, tend to forget to announce it, uh, 
how, how we do the offering here at the church. And again, remember, I believe that tithing and offering is between you and the Lord. It is a ordinance of the scriptures. It is an opportunity for you to, in obedience, do what God has called you to do. However, we as a church body have felt as though that it wasn't right to, we did not want it to make someone feel like they were shamed into doing what they were called to do. Therefore, we have these columns, one here and one in the back, the, uh, the prayer and offering columns, whereas if you see those and you feel as though God's laid it on your heart to tithe or to drop in a prayer request, that's what they are for. Just drop your tithe in one of those columns, drop your prayer requests in those columns, and that stays between you and the Lord, and then when they come and collect that, I never see or know or any of that stuff. That's why it's all between you and Christ at that point. There is the opportunity to tithe, to fulfill the ordinance that God has laid out there, but it's in those tithing columns, one here and one at the back door there as well, or front door if you call that one the front, whichever way we design that. Okay, I think that's enough announcements this morning. Brother uh, Bob's got our scripture reading this morning. And how you like it in January that he's wearing that nice Hawaiian shirt with that Hawaiian wind and sunshine outside. Amen. Brian always sports them, though. <laughs> He he doesn't he didn't no he's not all there brother. <laughs> Praise God, Father God, I just come before you. I thank you for my brother's willingness to open the scriptures for us like this, and may we hear you through him. Bless him and his family, and God, just thank you for him and Shaney, and just continue to fill them with your grace and your your compassion, Father, and just hold them in your hand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Praise God, isn't it great? We can go to God's word, and uh, He still speaks to us today just as he has through the ages. And uh, I, w- I was thinking yesterday, I was thinking about the story of the Tower of Babel, and I was thinking about um, we live in the computer age now and um, how, how similar that is to the Tower of Babel, how um, we have the, not, the language of technology now, and we can interact and talk to people anywhere in the world at any time of day or night. Um, and in the early 2000s, a gentleman named Peter Drucker, he's a, he was a world-renowned economist. Um, he won the Nobel Prize for Freedom a few times. Um, he, he wrote a book called Post-Capitalistic Society, and he said in that book that um, no longer will nations be judged upon land, labor, and capital, but the new capital is knowledge, and that we're in a post-capitalistic society, and we're in a knowledge society. And uh, I, th- I think about that quite a bit, and... I think that um, we as people tend to think that we're pretty smart sometimes. But listen to what God said about that. He said, where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believed through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many are powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen the world's foolish things to shame the wise. And God has chosen the world's weak things to shame the strong. God has chosen the world's insignificant and despised things, the things viewed as nothing, so he might bring to nothing the things that are viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. 
but from him, for him you are in Christ Jesus, who for us became wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. So these are really, really powerful words. And uh, I'd like to say that if you're out there and you're feeling that maybe you feel like you're not that smart, congratulations, God can use you. And you're thinking maybe you stutter when you speak, congratulations, God can use you. God used Moses, same problem. It's just the things we need to praise God, even in, in our weakness, he says that his strength will be perfected and that he said that he uses what the world sees as foolish to confound the wise. And he said that um, professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. So we have to be really careful about how we view ourselves in terms of our own wisdom and put on godly wisdom through his word. And then we can be used to touch those people that he has predestined for us. And that's another really important thing I was hoping that I might have time to speak about, and I'm hoping not taking too long. But um, God said that we need... We need to bear fruit. He said if we don't bear fruit, he's going to cut us down, cast us into the fire. And we have to bear fruit. And we have the tools that we need, no matter how inept we think we are, because in our weakness, Christ is made strong. And so it's time to just stop talking about witnessing and stop talk, talking about reaching out to others for Christ and to actually do it. Oh, let's, let's pray. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the promise of your word and for... The, the strength that you give us through it, Lord God. We just pray that your, your spirit would fall anew on us, Lord God, and that we would have boldness to speak out for you and your kingdom, Lord God. And we just pray that you would continue to bless this service and Frank as he brings forth the message and help us to leave here, Lord God, hiding your word in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Starting in verse 1. Sorry, guys. Thank you very much, guys. In Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1, notice what it says. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then he called a child unto him, and he sat, stand, excuse me, and had him stand amongst them. I assure you, he said, Unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name, welcomes me. But whoever causes the downfall of one of these little children who believes in me, it would be better to him, for him if a heavy millstone was hung about his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. I share that passage of scripture with you this morning. 
because sometimes there are those there are those who believe that baptism should be done as an infant. Well, the Bible says when they come onto me, it's hard for a baby to come onto someone. But then it also says, but do not hamper the coming of these children onto me. There are those who say, well, you shouldn't baptize children at all. The whole idea of baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. In other words, when we as individuals have accepted Jesus Christ truly and literally into our hearts to cleanse us of our sins, then the, we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, we have been forgiven, and we can stand firm and tall and proclaim righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. However, he says, then go and be baptized. That is so the world will know. It's a public pronouncement. And Jesus said, he who professes before men, so shall I profess before the Father. So when we have a baptism at this, this going into the water, this water does not save anyone. It's just water. Good old-fashioned Sutherland Springs water. But that the proclamation of the one who is going under is saying to the world, I choose to, to, be, to, to allow all the sin to die away and be born again, a new creation in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? This morning, actually several weeks ago, Greg came to me and talked to me, and, and I truly feel with all my heart that this young man knows exactly what he has said and what he has done. He's done it. He said he actually accepted the Lord previously. But he now understood exactly what it meant, and he said, I am ready and want to let the world know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And he came to me last week, and he, he asked, can I do that this Sunday? I said, you absolutely sure may. So praise the Lord. This morning, our new brother, Greg. Come on in, brother. Greg is coming this morning. You can leave your towel right there. He is coming this morning to profess to everyone that he has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Lord, yeah, Amen. 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 All right. So this young man has accepted Jesus Christ. Do you have you accepted Jesus Christ yes, as your Lord and Savior? Amen. Yes, sir. Even with manners, I like that. I like that. But he is coming this morning, so every one of you can see this is his public profession. Now I did have some tell me, Greg, to hold you under for a little while to make sure it's real. <laughs> Your sister being one of those. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say which one. I'm going to have to let you figure out. <laughs> but you can cross your arms like we're saying. So by his own profession earlier to me, but just now, and where you can hear it as well, he has professed Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. So, Greg, my brother, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Down with the old... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grumpy, do you mind lifting him up in prayer? I would love that. Father God, thank you. Uh, this, this member of your flock, Lord, uh, uh, not just because he's my grandson, but Father, most importantly because He's a child of God, and, and he followed Jesus Christ to be his Savior, Lord. Uh, I pray that you will um, uh, guide us to guide him, Lord, that you will use us in strengthening him, Father, and to uh, welcome him into this flock and to use him in your service, Father. Bless his life and bless those around him, Lord. 
And God, I do for, pray that you forgive us all when we do fail you so often. I pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 And just so you know, I don't know if you know, your, your dad back there, John loves you so much, he sat here and rewired the heater so you could have warm water this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, I was going to wait till the business meeting to announce this, but uh, in a couple of weeks we won't have to deal with this thing anymore, this ugly eyesore. So, yeah, we've been blessed with uh, an electronic drum set that's going to be a lot easier for us to manage and it's going to sound better and stuff like that. So, yeah. But I'm glad that Greg didn't wait. All right, we're going to sing, I Know Whom I Believed. If you guys want to rise, if you don't want to, that's okay as well. But take a comfortable worship position, and let's worship this morning. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me He has made known No why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own But I know whom I believe in And am persuaded that He is able To keep that which I've committed Unto Him against that day I know not how this saving faith to me He did impart Nor how believing in His Word Wrought peace within my heart But I know I believe in And am persuaded that He is able that which I've committed unto Him against that day. I know not how the Spirit moves convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. But I know whom I believe in and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. 
know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me. A weary ways or golden days before His face I see. But I know who I believe in and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I can live in unto Him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, or if I walk the veil with Him or meet Him in the air. But I know who I believe in and am persuaded that He is able to I can live it unto him against that day. But I know I believe in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I can live unto him against change in pace. This is Come As You Are. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted let rescue begin. Come find mercy, sinner come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can hear. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can hear. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. Lift up your face 
not too far. Lay down your hood, lay down your heart, come as you are. Thy power and thine alone can 
and shames the leper's spouse and melt this heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. When from in my ransom soul shall rise Jesus died my soul to save shall rend the vaulted skies and when before the throne I stand in him trophies down all down at Jesus' feet Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as blood in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Give God the glory this morning. Thank you guys. If you have your Bibles this morning, which mine's back by the baptistry, you can be turning to Numbers chapter 2. Thank you, Chris. Numbers chapter 2. If you have your Bibles this morning, 
And you see some of the ladies are leaving. They're going to the kitchen to start helping on getting lunch ready and such. Which makes them fair game to speak about now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's being taped. Oh, and my wife just came back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that, that food will have special seasoning on it probably. All right, Numbers chapter 2. You know, in, in uh, uh, a lot of us just kind of breeze through when we get look at Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those books, we're kind of like, ah, the law, the Pentateuch. There's a lot of great stuff in there. And I, I want to share with you right now, in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, something that I think that many of us just fly past, but I kind of came under my attention. I, I was blessed with the opportunity. My kids, one, my youngest son, uh, called all the other, his, his siblings and said, hey, let's get together. We usually do that around the 4th of July, but he was anxious to go camping with this beautiful weather earlier. So I was able to go camping with my my kids Friday and Saturday, uh, just go and get away. We went down to a park we hadn't been to before, and it was a very quaint little park, but we had a good time down there. And my, my son set up his tent and things of that nature, and I kind of had an idea what I was going to preach on, but it kind of changed. I got to thinking about this. And so and I, wanted to, I wanted to share this with you this morning, Numbers chapter 2. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. The Israelites are to camp under their respective banners beside the flags of their ancestral homes. They are to camp around the tent of meeting at a distance, yet at a distance from it. Now, I'm going to jump over just a little bit to verse 17. It says, The tent of meeting is to move out with the Levites' camp, which is in the middle of the camps. They are to move out just as they camp, each in his place and with their banners. So we see him coming and telling them how to camp and then how to move out of the camp. Now, in verse 2 there, he, tells, he says, Every man, every one of them, every man in the children of Israel, every one of these men were to come in there, and they were to pitch by his own standard. He was going to come in and set up his camp by the standard that needed to be put forth in front of them. In other words, everyone was going to come and, and, and camp by, by their, their namesake, if you will. And, and then in verse 17, he says, Then when you leave, you're going to leave in the same manner, just as you came and camped. You're going to pick everything up, and you're going to go out in the same way. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, there's something very special about camping. I, I like to go and camp. I like to go. I like the, the, the smell of the great outdoors. I like the sights and the sounds of, of nature. Yesterday morning, uh, we had the little baby up in the bed with us. I have a, a little motorhome. It's got the bed over where you actually drive and everything, so you're up in the loft, if you will. And we had the baby up there, and I had the window, the curtains pulled so you could see out those little windows. And we had 15 deer just come right there, running around at the front of the, the motorhome and stuff. And, and it was just awesome. I like camping. I like seeing the sights. I like everything about it. I like the, I like the smell of the campfire until this morning. Sherry and I went in our closets like, oh, get those clothes out of there. Everything's going to smell like campfire. Um, but just everything about camping. I, I, I enjoy camping. And and camping has a special meaning to me. Now, I know many of you have your favorite campsites. There's a lot of incredible places you can go and camp, beautiful places where, that, where people love to go and camp. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I was teasing Sherry, and she just left, so I can go ahead and get away with it now. My wife has some very dear campsites to her as well, some that she holds very, they are her favorites. And I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans here this morning and share your secret. Sherry's secret spots for camping with you. The Marriott, the Holiday Inn, the Regal. 
<laughs> That's her idea of camping for the most part. She told me she does not do tents anymore. That, 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 that was when we were young we did tents. But in reality, guys, camping does have a special connotation to it. I think you're getting back with nature. You're getting back out there. Well, here in this camping, it was very specific. It wasn't just to go and have fun. God was being very specific with the Israelites here when he laid out for them exactly what they were to do. When he was speaking to his people, he said, this is where you're supposed to be. This is how you do it. And when you pick up and move out, this is how you're supposed to do that too. And camping in the scriptures, this was a place where the army or a body of people would come together and lodge their tents, not just one family, but the entire clan, the group of people. In Numbers chapter 2, that's what God is dealing with here. That's When he's talking about camp, he's saying all these people are coming together. And God's instructions, as he lays this out to them, you may say, oh, it's just camping or something. Camp, uh, God's instructions should reach every aspect of our lives. Here, it was reaching every aspect of what they should do. How to set up their tents, when to set up their tents, where to set up their tents. And then when they pick up their tents, exactly how to do it all over again. God's instructions was in every aspect of their life. And folks, I would submit to you this morning, it should be the same with us. God is not an author of confusion. He is a, a God of order. And when it came to camping out all these of his Israelite people, this campsite worked like a well-oiled machine because they were following the directions that God had given them. You may say, well, well God's just about the big things. No, God's about everything. Every aspect. And here we can see even about where to place your tent. This passage of Scripture is not something to, to be simply passed by as being insignificant. This, oh yeah, it talks about the armies here and how many of this and that. This is a key, I believe, to, to, to walking and resting in the victory of Jesus Christ. When we will quit arguing and trying to tell God what we should do and just allow Him to give us the instructions and follow them in every aspect of our lives, including how we set up our tents even, that's when we can fully recognize and, and grab a hold of and achieve the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. We should not walk around with our, our heads hung low, discouraged and, and defeated and downtrodden. We talked about this in Sunday school just a little bit earlier today too. We may not fully comprehend or understand the situations and the trials that we may be going through. However, if we remember that God cares for us and that he does all things for our good and his glory, we may not comprehend what's going on, but if I choose to listen to that and follow the instructions he's given me in all parts and facets of my life, then I can have the victory and the peace that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. That victory and peace comes from not arguing with him, but looking to him even in the little things. God has given us some very explicit instructions concerning our camp, our place in which we are to live, how and where we're supposed to live. And in fact, that's what we're doing here today. We, we are here resting. We come together as a body of believers. This is our day of rest. The Sabbath day you're to keep is a day of rest. This is our camping, guys. We are coming together at, at church, and, and God has given us instructions concerning us, how the, the, the order and, and practice of church, if you will. I don't know about you, but I didn't get up in the mornings. I don't get up on Sunday mornings and get ready and come to church just to sit on my hands and do nothing and, and, and be bored. I come to church to be blessed. I come to church to feel the glory of God. I come to church to hear what kind of instruction he has for me. I come to church so I can hear his word and feel his presence and know that I'm doing what he has called me to do. 
Now, when we are at home, we are also at rest. In the evenings, when we go back home, at least I hope your place isn't a place of war. But, but when we go home or when we're at church, we should be resting and we should turn that rest over to God and say, God, what would you have me to do? With Christ and, and, and his instructions, guys, when we stand, when we are resting, when we are doing what God has called us to do, we are in a place of rest. We can camp when we are listening to what God has us to do. When we do things in even the most minute ways, the way he has laid it out for us, we can experience the victory. We have a place of peace. When we argue with God, you may say, well, I'm at church, but I don't have peace. Well, how much are you arguing with God? Or in the evenings at home, or maybe it's supposed to be your quiet time and things of this nature. Are you doing what God's telling you to do? Or are you fighting him on it and not listening to the little things? Because when we lay it out before us when we are following his word folks that's when we experience peace god has given us some 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 important instructions about how to live at home how to carry out a family how to be married how to raise up our children and when we follow those instructions our homes aren't war zones our homes can become a place of solitude a place of 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 peace in the midst of the storm we can go and sit on that island and and just say thank you jesus even with all the darkness in the world and the things that are going on if we are preparing and and utilizing the things that god has given us in our homes and following his word even in the little things that rest takes on that that presence of victory of knowing who christ is and that's also when we are on the move when we come to church guys he's given us instructions on how to break camp and the, and, and the church shouldn't just be sitting on its hands. We should be breaking camp. Any church of God ought to be the church that's on the move. We are not called just to gather every Sunday and get our card punched and say, oh, look, I went to church. When we tent camp, when we come to that tabernacle, as they did here in, the verse, in Numbers, when we are doing the things that God has called us to do, we will have rest both at home and in our church body. But there comes a point in that time where he says, move out. There comes a time to break camp as well. And when we break camp, that means we got to do something. we got to move. we got to be doing what he's called us to do. And he gives us directions on how to do that, how to step out there. God didn't call us just to sit still, roll over, and play dead. Unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that do that. There's a lot of churches that go every, people go every Sunday morning, sit on their hands. They may say and sing a few songs, get up and leave church and had absolutely no change in their life whatsoever, had nothing moved them whatsoever, they got their card punched, told God, gave you my half a day, you better let me have the other half. And guys, you can't expect peace and victory in your life if that's the way you're going to treat God. That you can't expect peace and victory in your life if He lays out what it is He has for you to do, and you snub your nose at it and say, well, you know, I gave you half a day. I honored what you told me to do. I went and assembled myself with those people of yours. That's not what God's really calling. He says, go and gather together and camp together under your own banner. God's people have always been a people on the move. I think God is, I don't mean to speak for God, but I bet he's rather sick and tired of that that, that dead, dry as last week's milk toast traditional churches. He is ready for Christians to get up and be about sharing the gospel and saving the lost. He's sending us out into the highways and the byways to beat the bushes and call everyone in to, to the wedding feast. Not to just sit on Sunday morning, sing a couple of songs and go about our way like we never even saw him. 
the message here in Numbers, the message that he has laid out for us, guys, for the children of Israel was what, what they should could be doing. In fact, if they had done what he told them to do, they're short 11, it could have been an 11-day journey. Instead, it turned into 40 years. I think there's a lot of Christians today that are taking way too long to reach the promised land of victory in Christ because they want to fight every day with what God's telling them to do. We can have peace in our lives. We can have it a whole lot quicker and do things a whole lot faster. I'm not saying that, that we have glory. I'm saying, that, you know, we will have glory if you accepted Jesus Christ on the other side of, of, of heaven. You know, once we pass from this physical body into that spiritual body. But you can still have peace and glory and joy that comes on this side if we will just quit fighting him and nagging him and complaining and grumbling and just every day do what God calls us to do. If we would step back and just follow his instructions, what could take just a couple of days to achieve would quit taking us years and years. Some of us have been in the church 20, 30, 40 years and still haven't found peace. Because every day we get up arguing about, well, I don't want to do quiet time. Why should I read the book? That's what the preacher got hired for. He'll spit it out to me on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm good. In fact, he'll spit it out too long and too much. God tells each one of us, each one of us, he's given that word, and he's called every one of us to read his word and to get out there and make a difference, folks. We can have that, that journey that reaches peace and and profitability and glory and spirituality a whole lot quicker if we just quit arguing. Like Brother Stormy pointed out in Sunday school this morning, it, it, a habit it becomes repetitious. The more we practice it, the easier it comes. The more we do what God's called us to do, the easier it is. And if I know I do all things for, through his, for His glory, if I know that He is doing all things for my good, and the more I do what He's telling me to do, the more I know how He's doing it for my good, the easier it is going to be to have peace in my life and step back and say, okay, thank you, Jesus. We are more than, than just a, a bunch of ex-slaves to sin. Yes, we are ex-slaves to sin. But when we accepted Jesus Christ, we've been washed. He said, you are a new creation. Just as Greg illustrated with this baptism, when he came out of that water, he said, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Does that mean we don't never sin anymore? No, it means that now I know that I am forgiven. That I know that my Lord and my Savior and my King cares for me and loves me. And because of that, I choose to please Him. And the more I please Him, the more He loves me, or He can't love me more, but the more I please Him, the closer to Him I get, and the more I know on how to have the peace that comes from knowing Christ. If we listen to the little things, how just to set up our camp. Oh, but pastor, there's so many bigger things in life. There's so many major issues. There absolutely is. But how do you expect to be able to handle the big issues if you can't even put your tent post in right? If you can't even just get out of the house right in the mornings? You want to be able to have God be able to help you through the big things and really be able to lean on Him and know Him in, a, in an intimate, mighty, and intricate way? then it starts out with the fundamentals. Listen to what he tells us about the little things. How to set up our camp. How to step out. 
We are a chosen generation, folks. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We should show forth the word of God and the grace of God everywhere we go. We should be presenting, when people see us, they should see the Shekinah glory of God within us. How are they going to see it? When we plug in the batteries of Christ within us. But if we never stop to read the small stuff and forget the batteries behind, you may wear the t-shirt that says you're a flashlight, but there's no light coming out of you. It's when you stop and read the little things. Oh, I'm supposed to put batteries in. Oh, I need to flip the switch. Oh, I need to get on my knees in prayer. Oh, these little things. Now when I walk, all of a sudden people see a beacon of light, not because of who Frank is, not because of who Brian is or Carla is, but they see a beacon of light because they know who Christ is in all the things they do. Yes, this world's full of tribulations. I, 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 can't, I can't sugar that. Sugarcoat that. But God doesn't want us going around bumbling and stumbling around in the dark. He has given us an avenue. He's given us a roadmap. He's given us direction. And he says, if you will focus on the little things, even how to set up your camp, when you get into those tough times, you don't have to live in the wilderness. I'll make sure you are sheltered. Yes, the forest may be fierce around you. I came home late last night. It was kind of funny. I got home late last night, and I left the camper and all down there because some uh, my girls stayed down there last night. And Candy texted me about eleven o'clock or so, and she said, "Dad, it, it's it, it, there's like a pack of twenty five coyotes out here howling just outside the realm over here, and Marina's locked herself in the camper and won't come out." <laughs> I said, "But you got the fire, you got everything there." She said, "Yeah, I'm cool. I think this is great, but it's funny because Marina's won't come out of the house." She knew that she was safe. Marina knew she was safe as well in there. They both knew they were safe. Didn't change the fact that the coyotes were howling all around them. But both of them in their own way knew they were safe because the camp was set up correctly. Folks, you may be in a world of, uh, in a wilderness and there's all kinds of coyotes of some sort howling all around you. And I would submit to you this morning that if you have followed the game plan of how to set up your camp, how to set up your life, your place of rest, with Christ, that the victory and the peace of knowing your tent is set can still harbor you from the storm. But you've got to listen to the little things. God has promised us, folks. He has get said that we can have a land of victory, a victorious Christian life. He said this world's a scary place, but be of good cheer, for I have conquered the world. And if we are in him, he said, who dares be against you? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So, so we need to understand from, from what he says there in Numbers, how to set up our tent, how to set up our camp, how do we do the little things? First thing there in chapter 2, he says, pitch together. Do you notice that? I want you guys to come out and pitch together. Everyone's to camp together around the main tabernacle. Understand this, no Christian will ever walk in victory as a lone ranger. We need each other. We need to band together under our own banner. We need each other. God tells, tells them to organize themselves by their banner, by their distinguishable signs, by their familiarity, by their, their commonness, if you will, their strength in unity. We get encouragement when we are with brothers and sisters. That's why he says, do not forsake yourself the assembling one to another. He's not trying to drive up church roles. He knows that when, sometimes one is going to be down and the other is up. Or another time there's going to be several of us that are broken and several that are excited. But when we can come together, we can mourn together. We can be happy together. We can love one another. It takes every one of us pitching our camps together and lifting it up together. Don't, we, we don't want to be like those people that say... Um, 
have the saying go to, to dwell above with the saints. How's it go? To dwell above with the saints we love, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, that's another story. That's not a good saying to have. We should be dwelling with one another. We should be holding to one another. We should be strengthening one another. We should be wrapping arms and saying, thank you, Jesus, under that family crest, that banner. What is our banner today? The Jews, each tribe had their own banner, their crest, if you will. Today, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we come together understanding that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And as Paul says, I am now in Christ. I have been washed with the blood. I am just a sa- I'm an old sinner saved by the grace of God. But by the grace of God, I've been made free. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we should camp together and allow our banner, the blood of Jesus Christ, to wave over us to a point that everybody can see it. And when we break camp, we should break camp and go that same way. That's what brings victory, folks. That's what brings joy. In Psalm 60, it says, Thou hast given a banner to those who fear thee, and may, be displaced, and may they never be displaced because of your truth. The banner of victory is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to displace truth. We can have strength, guys. We can be strong through the blood of Jesus Christ if we listen. God does not need any more secret agent Christians. There's plenty of those out there. We need to be proud of who we are in the blood of Jesus Christ. I didn't say arrogant. I didn't say self-righteous. I didn't say pious, overly pious. We should be proud of who we are in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we should display our banner for the entire world to see. And I don't mean putting on a Christian t-shirt. I'm saying that we have read the little parts of the Word of God so that we can set our camp in such a fashion that when people look over, they'll see the banner, they'll see the camp, they'll see our church, they'll see your house, they'll see you and say, that one's banner is Jesus Christ. I can tell, not because he preached at me, I can tell not because of the kind of car he drives, not because he wears a Christian t-shirt, but because look at his camp. It screams Jesus. Everything about it proclaims Jesus. Folks, I'll tell you this morning, I praise God that I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. I have been cleansed by that fountain. I am joint heirs with, the, with, with Jesus Christ as I travel through this world. I have no qualms about that. Now, I will also tell you, I am just a man. I am a sinner. I, I make mistakes on a daily basis. In fact, uh, Brother Stormy had an illustration he shared with me just this morning. I hope you don't mind me pointing it out, but he talked about how we talk about how bad it was for Adam to bite of the apple when he knew better. But do we not bite the apple every day ourselves? Do we not do the same thing every day knowing we shouldn't do it, yet we bite the apple as well? Now I'm kind of maybe adding to what Stormy said there, but, but we do. So how can we get angry? I have to admit that, yes, I bite the apple. And I need to get on my knees and say, Father, forgive me. I have been washed by the blood, and I know that he loves me. And I can let you know that I am a sinner saved by grace. But because of who my Lord and Savior is, I know that he will do what's best for me and will glorify him. And I can get on my knees and say, forgive me, Lord. I pray that every one under that banner, I pray that every Christian can look over at First Baptist Church Sutherland Springs and see that this is camp. We should have the sign up not because that says First Baptist. Praise God that, that for that sign. But we need a sign that is up there in actions 
that screams out that our banner is Jesus Christ. Everyone should be able to look over and say, man, I, I, I want what you have there. I, I, I want to be under your banner. In fact, look at verse 17 one more time. Notice what he says in verse 17. Well, I will if I can find it again. Well, there we go. The tent of the meeting is to move out with the Levites' camp, which is in the middle of camps, and they are to move out just as they camp, each in place with their banners. When we move all over this world, the banner should go with us. And when people see that, they should be able to move into Sutherland Springs and say, there's the banner. Every man has his place. Every man knows where he's supposed to be. And that's how they accomplish the will of God. They move out in their place under their banner. And this is one more thing I wanted to point out that I felt as though God laid on my heart about this message. You may be here this morning and you think, well, I'm just coming to church. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Folks, God has gifted each and every believer with some kind of talent, some kind of gift, some kind of purpose that helps the church move forward. Every one of us that has come together, he says, has their place in the body. And when you move out, you move out with your place in the body. Whether they're just visiting the church, whether you're a member of this church, we each one in the church of Jesus Christ have been given some kind of gift, some kind of talent, and we, it is our responsibility to stop and pray and ask the Lord, what is it you have given me? God did not save you to sit. He saved you to serve. And we together can come to, together, and each one of us is a part of one body going forth to proclaim the righteousness of God. As a church, as we have gathered together, we need to remember that, that even in the little things, every little thing matters. You may say, well, who am I? I am insignificant. There's a pastor, there's a deacon, there's a Sunday school teacher, there's the ladies who do the church, there's the men who do the yard, there's this, there's that. Every single one of us in there is to park under that banner of Jesus Christ, and we are to move out in one group under the banner of Jesus Christ. There is not one person that's insignificant in this house. There is not one person under the blood of Jesus Christ that he deems to be insignificant. He has given each and every one of us some special ability. Whether, you, whether you've recognized it or not does not matter. does not change the fact that it exists. You are to find it, to look to it, and say, God, how can you use it? The question you need to ask yourself is, am I in my place? Am I doing what God has called me to do and intended for me to do so that I can have the victory and the rest and the peace that he's called me to. It should only, if you look at a map, it should have only taken the Israelites 11 days to get where they needed to go. But it took 40 years. 40 years of grumbling and, and rousting about. What are you doing in your life? What are you doing in your life? One, of the, one thing we need to remember too, in there, the tabernacle was in the center. They camped on all four sides. It says, at a distance out of respect. But they looked to the tabernacle. The tabernacle represented Jesus Christ. Not this building here. But the tabernacle then represented, the, represented God's glory. I would say keep Christ in the center of your life. Is He in the center of your life? Are you moving out, setting up camp, breaking camp, moving out, and keeping Him the center of your life? Because if God is not the, at the center of everything you do, then you're missing out on the victory that He has for you. No matter what it is that you may be stepping out, no matter what the venture may be, no matter how mundane it may be or how 
grandiose it may be, if God is not at the center of the decision of that, that endeavor, you're not experiencing the victory that He has set for you. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's whatever in the church. Is God at the center? That's what we need to ask ourselves. So many people today, so many things take priority over the church. And, and, and it, it happens to all of us. It could be soccer. It could be football. It could be baseball. It could be the kids' little league. It could be hunting. It could be camping. If anything is taking the center away from Christ, then you can't expect the victory that He has for you. So when you look at this passage of Scripture, God's telling them exactly how to camp. Telling them exactly how to pick up camp and how to move out and keep Him in the center. Is that where you're at this morning, folks? Have you been camping with Christ lately? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Is Christ the center of your camp? Every day. Is He at the center of your, of your world? You want the victory? Then give Him the little things. Most of us in this room understand, oh yeah, before I get married, I need to pray. Most of us understand, before I make a huge financial decision, I need to pray. Well, I'm talking about the little things in setting up camp. Do you pray? The little things when it's time to break camp. Do you pray? Can you make God a part of each and every little bit? Because if you would, and made in the center, our lives would be filled with victory. And rather than taking 40 years to get where we need to be, it may only take 40 days, 40 minutes, 40 seconds. Because God's going to zip us right where we need to be when we're doing what He's called us to do. Where are you this morning? Now, if you haven't made Christ a part of your camp, let me share with you this morning that He said He wants you to come in He'd love you to sit under His banner. All you have to do is accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And I guarantee you this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there are many people in this room right now with a Bible in their hand that would love to tell you how to make Him your camp master. I'd love to get with you. There's people in this room, but I would love to be able to, to and there's other people here who would love to be able to intimately share with you why Jesus Christ should be your banner. For all you have to do, I say all, it's not just simple. You have to surrender your old self to Him and let Him wash you anew and cleanse you and then truly decide in your heart to turn from your wicked ways, turn from the things you know to be wrong and turn to life, to turn to Christ. Only you can make that decision. The rest of us, if you already know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how many of you have allowed him to set up the little things in your life as well? Maybe it's time today. Isn't it great that we serve a Lord that you could make the decision today and he'll say, I'll put the past away. I'll forgive you the past. I'll wink as a wink. It's as far as the east is from the west. From this point forward, listen to me and I'll direct you how you should go. Where are you this morning? He told the Israelites how to set up camp, keeping him in the center, and how to break camp keeping him in the center. Are you doing that in your life? Only you can answer that question, but it's between you and the Lord. I'd love to pray with you. This altar will be open. You can pray right where you're at, but let's get back to the Lord. Let's give him the little things in our life as well. We're, some of us are good at giving up the big stuff, but he says, I want all of you. 
give me 100% because I already gave you 100%. Will you listen to him today? Will you do that for him today? That's your decision between you and him. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's first and foremost. You need to make that choice. You need to make that decision. No man comes on to the Father but by Christ. You must know Christ. You, if you go and stand before Jesus one day, stand before the Lord and say, but I went to that church in Sutherland Springs. There was that ugly bald-headed guy talked about you down there. God's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. You want Christ to know you? You want entrance? Don't talk about me. Talk about him. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the primary purpose that you need to hear in your life today. As we pray. Father God, I come before you this morning and just ask in the name of Jesus that if there is anyone here today that has not surrendered their heart unto you, that you will make it known to them that they will choose life today before it's too late that they will choose you and what you are. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the rest of us that has already accepted you, but possibly have not allowed you to be Lord over the little things as well, may we give them to you. Father, thank you that we can give you the big, our vices, our failures, our weaknesses, but we can also give you the little things as the tent posts and the camp as well. God, I pray your will to be done in the lives of your people. And may your name be lifted up and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's telling you to sing, sing. If he's telling you to get on your knees, get on your knees. If he's telling you to go grab brother or sister, do what the Lord's leading you to do. But let's listen to what he has to say together this morning as we sing. You know if God's telling you that you haven't been getting, letting him take care of the little things. You know whether you're on that 30-year journey that was supposed to only take a year. You know where you're at. And if you don't know, you know who to talk to. You don't need to say, Father, show me my ways. Now again, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I pray with all my heart that you will Surrender your heart to Him today. Get with someone to help you understand what that means, if you need to. If you're listening by YouTube or, or radio, find a local pastor. Find somebody. But do what the Lord's called you to do. Accept Him before it's too late. No man knows the day nor the hour when His return is, but His return will be imminent. It's coming. Are you ready? Well, guys, good seeing everybody this morning. I pray again that you will allow God to set up that camp. You may say, well, I don't go camping. This is your camp. Your church, your home, your, your life on a daily basis. Let him set the camp for you. Listen to the little things in life. I want to invite you again to stay for a lunch and business meeting today. Everyone is invited, not just the, those who are officially members. Everybody here is invited to come and stay, fellowship, eat lunch, and have a good time. Give Greg a hug for his public proclamation this morning. And, and let's just have a great time, and then we'll go into our business meeting, which you're welcome to stay for that as well. This will be a great day of church on the grounds, and then no services this evening.
So I encourage you guys, come together, and let's have a good time in God's house. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. And guys, just, just have a smile on it. Uh, Brother Mike, can we close this in prayer this morning? Yeah, Lord, we come to you this morning. Thank you for all the many blessings we've asked you for the sins and shortcomings. We thank you, Lord, for this house and the privilege to come here and celebrate your name, Lord. We ask you to be with the leaders of the church and the members of the business meeting and the will be done. We ask all these things in Christ. Amen.